we took full advantage of going on the um, the Fox Glacier heli hike. That's when the weather kind of turned on us. It was huge bucket list experience that yeah, we were we just not willing it. to give up. That was kind of a few days of like, oh, please, please, please clear up weather so we can go and do this thing. And then I'd say doing that heli hike, the Glacier heli hike was the highlight of that trip, wasn't it? Yeah, that's honestly, I think one of the best experiences I think that we've done in New Zealand. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, mums, students and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road or you work a nine to five and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail and I also keep a stash in the van just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Kia ora, welcome Dane and Stacey to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys on here today. Why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Stacey. <laughs> I'm Dane, also known <laughs> as uh, as Danger, often confused for Daniger, but we kind of go by Danger and Stacey as far as our, like, our socials and, and travels are concerned anyway. Yeah, that's really funny that people mispronounce that. I get DMs saying, hi Hannah, all the time, and I'm like, I know it says Abigail Hannah in my handle, but like Abigail comes first. So why do you think that Hannah is my name? (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear more about your guys' background and your childhood. So why don't we start off with your childhood? Did you both travel much as kids, as, as a family? We did. We did. I would say like for me, my family sort of focused more on traveling overseas, whereas I think Dane... We were road trippers. Yeah, you were road trippers and and saw a lot of New Zealand and his parents like to remind us all the time as well because he's forgotten a lot of it. So so they're always like, wait a minute, Dane, you have actually been there. But in terms of my childhood, we spent a lot of time in Australia doing trips. We did a few um, trips to Hawaii, Malaysia. And I guess that's probably what sparked my kind of like love in travel but the way that we travel has definitely changed over time because my family is like a little bit bougie they like you know the nice hotels and um it's more about you know where you stay rather than I guess the The experiences I don't know but yeah that was kind of my childhood yeah we were very much jump in the car and go for a road trip somewhere but it's just funny isn't it that sometimes those memories that you make when you're so young you might not even necessarily remember them when you're older or you revisit and you see it through completely different lens when you go back yeah that's super interesting what sort of age were you that you were doing these travels I think probably up to about like eight eight or nine kind of age and then I think that's when my parents started looking a little bit more towards Australia so I've got memories from from those kind of going on a plane you know was was 
considered quite big at that stage. So you're kind of too young to remember, but then you're revisiting all these places in the past years has been just a kind of a running joke with my family where I think that it's my first time and they're like, <laughs> no, it's most definitely not. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So did you both grow up in New Zealand as well? Yep. Yeah, we both grew up in New Zealand. I mean, you you were in Wellington for a while, weren't you? I've, I've always been Auckland based. Yeah. I spent some time living in Wellington. Most of my kind of primary and intermediate years were there. And I honestly think that might be somewhere where some of the road tripping came into it is because we had family in Auckland. So it was kind of we'd meet in the middle. So Topol was like, that was the place to go. Go play mini golf, go to the McDonald's airplane, <laughs> you know, hit, try and hit the hole in one, go to the hot pools. That was that felt like my annual trip. Yeah, that's so cool to have those sort of things that you do every year or you do every so often that they become a core part of your memories and your childhood. Let's take it a bit further. What sort of jobs have you guys worked and how did you end up where you are today? Oh, our backgrounds don't really line up with making content as such, do they? So <laughs> I was kind of always in advertising. So I've worked for quite a few publishers in New Zealand yeah. in terms of digital media. So I was kind of dealing with agencies and that was some sales, some product management, more on the commercial side, sort of later on in my career before we sort of made a pretty insane decision to sell everything and move overseas. And then you're sort of still carried over what you were doing in a way, right? Yeah, well, I started out at AUT. I did a Bachelor of Communication Studies, which everyone does when they've got like no idea what they actually want to do with their lives. <laughs> but I majored in advertising creativity and I kind of, I went into art direction and design and I loved the creative side of it, but I just wanted a little bit more freedom. So then I went into graphic design and I worked for a fashion company for a while. And eventually when we kind of, when Dan kind of planted the seed about, hey, maybe we could move overseas, maybe we could do this. I went freelance for a while just to kind of test the waters and see whether it was something that I could do on the road because essentially all you need is an internet mm. connection. Yeah, so I went freelance and that kind of started working yeah. out. And then I don't think if I tried that, I would be as confident to just like drop everything and, and travel. go. Yeah. yeah, but travel has always been our driving force. Like as soon as we met, it was always travel. Yeah, it's really interesting how for some people they've got that right from the get-go and for others it's something that sort of you grow towards travel together. I feel like me and my husband, we definitely both traveled a lot as kids. We both grew up in overseas. He grew up in Nepal and me in India. But things like van life, never in my wildest dreams would I like think that that was a great idea. And then after we got married, he was like, what do you think about living in a van? <laughs> Um, and, and those seeds were like slowly planted and my love for the outdoors and for traveling and for, yeah, I am obsessed with van life now. Um, but those things just kind of grow organically. They do, don't they? I think once you get, maybe once you get older as well, you start to realize there's so many ways that you can travel mm. by the time you introduce yeah, road trips or flights or van life or, you know, joining a tour or whatever it might be. Yeah, no, that's so cool. So tell me about this trip when you dropped everything, sold everything, and where did you go? What happened? So we decide, well, actually, I like to tell people that um, Dane brainwashed me. <laughs> <laughs> I was the type of person when I was younger that I was just like, people would say, oh, you know, could you move to Australia? And I'd point blank say, absolutely not. Like New Zealand is home. You know, that is where yeah. my family, my friends are, my comfort zone. But kind of the more we started learning about this whole digital nomad movement, I was sort of like hmm, a little bit more open to it. And then came the reality of having to sell literally everything that we own or put stuff into storage. And 
I guess the hardest part was getting on that first flight, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I was almost making the decision in the first place because quitting your job and then people instinctively, especially in New Zealand, it's so normal to be like, oh, you're going to a competitor or you know, you've been poached or and you just sort of say, nah, we're kind of, um, we, we're going to move to Thailand and people just sort of go, what? Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? You've got material things, you know, and we were like, but the drive for experience was just so much stronger that just sort of forced us to do well. It kind of forced me into making some pretty big decisions. And then I was just pleased that Stace was willing to come along with me on those decisions. <laughs> um, and the reason we chose Thailand is because we had done a trip there. How long before? Maybe like a year or so before. Something like that, yeah. And we fell in love with Chiang Mai. And that is like a digital nomad hub, basically. So we knew that there'd be a bit of a community there. And obviously the cost of living is super cheap. Um, we'd seen these beautiful apartments that you could live in. So I feel like having that knowledge and having seen the city as well gave us a bit more of a push to be like, all right, let's make this happen. Well, it was a tactical like scoping mission without our friends and family knowing that that's what we were doing. <laughs> it was a tactical scoping mission that Dane was on. Um. Exactly. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought we were on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. So let's fast forward a little bit. In 2020, you guys came back to New Zealand. You did a five-week trip around the country in a camper van. Tell us how that sort of came about. Well, we were the people that once we got together, our journeys always took us overseas. I don't think maybe other than Queenstown, I'm not sure we had really traveled much of New Zealand together. And even prior to meeting, I think we, again, we were kind of always going overseas as well. So, I mean, it's, we started to feel quite bad when we were over there that people would say, oh, I've been there. Like, well, Milford Sound, isn't it beautiful? And we'd say, uh, we haven't actually been there or just, you know, real basic places. So yeah, during, you know, after the pandemic and we kind of thought, you know what, this is actually an incredible opportunity to like look internally and actually go and appreciate how good our country is, especially when there's like lower tourism. So we were kind of showing up and spending money and encouraging other people to get out there as well. So uh, and force ourselves out of our comfort zone and thought, let's get an enormous camper van, the largest you can rent, and just sort of <laughs> see see how it goes with zero experience. <laughs> What's that giggle? <laughs> it was just because of the, um, we literally went from zero to 100. We've got yeah. The yeah. biggest camper van you could possibly get. It was a six berth. It was the middle of winter. It was raining. It was cold. We were worried about snow chains. We just, you know, we probably should have just got a regular size kind of yeah. van. But I'm glad we got the big one because it literally felt like a little home on wheels. And because we were there for so, in there for so long as well, it, it did become home. We had like a little place for everything and our kitchen all stocked up. I loved it. I love traveling like that. It's actually a really um, incredible way to explore. I feel like it becomes more of a, I mean, people try and make the distinction between what's a holiday and what's like an adventure or what's traveling. traveling and that was yeah. legit traveling mm. in a way that I'm not sure we'd really discovered before because like, like Stacey said, we, you have everything with you. And so just being mobile and just relying on mm -hmm. having like inside the space here, this is our wheels, this is our food, this is our sleeping, this is our working. It's like everything all in that one space. And then you just realize we can go anywhere. We mm -hmm. can do anything. Like there's no real restrictions. So it was just like this really freeing way to travel. And then also leaving things open-ended is a really beautiful thing that I think you can do when you're road tripping is not having everything locked down. So mm. 
And you almost have to do that in New Zealand as well because weather changes all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. true. And you, yeah, especially when we'd book, like uh, we had one day where we were doing um, whale watching in Kaikoura and we were like, well, you know, you don't know how that's going to go. So let's leave a couple days around there and we're not sure if there's mm -hmm. anything else we want to do, but like, you're just leaving fat just in places. Mm -hmm. But you don't have the freedom to necessarily do that when you go overseas or if you're worried about sort of annual leave or maximizing a trip. So uh, yeah, it was it was a special it was actually like sort of emotional in a way just how special it was to see our country like that yeah I definitely I'm glad that we actually waited to be honest to mm. to do it that way and to actually do it properly and see more than I could have ever imagined like mm. I think about places that I still want to go and the list is narrowing pretty quickly to be honest yeah. like we have covered so much of New Zealand and I honestly I couldn't think of a better way to do it like I want to I want to do it again I want to I want to go again we I don't know where but I want to do it again we almost feel like maybe we should just buy a camper van and live in it and this is us <laughs> from now you know <laughs> I'm, I'm just growing here listening to you because I feel like you've encompassed so many of those things about living in a van and I I truly think it's the best way to experience New Zealand mm. um just having that flexibility having like you said, all your things just in one place. I loved how many outfit changes you could have in a day. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> and you never forgot anything because it was always with you. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's just always with you. And it's just amazing. There's nothing like pulling up to a vineyard and you're like, in your relaxing clothes and your sweatpants <laughs> and a hoodie and thinking, oh, I probably should chuck a shirt on or something. And, you know, it's like, like dancing with the stars, a quick turnaround and you're like out the door. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the rundown of the route and the destinations you stopped at. I know you left it a little bit open-ended, but what are sort of all the places you hit on, on this five-week trip? Okay, so we started in Auckland uh, and then we made our way to the Coromandel. To be fair, I wish we had a little bit more time there, but it was winter. So all of the beachy kind of mm. things that we wanted to do. We've kind of saved them, haven't we? Yeah, like, that's somewhere to return to for sure. Yeah, we went to yeah. Hot Water Beach, which was amazing when it's cold. So uh, And then we kind of made our way to uh, Rotorua was the next stop. And we did everything there. We did these crazy four by four, um, what do you call them, buggies? Yeah, off dirt buggies. buggy drifting, shooting shotguns. We were uh, doing some of the cultural sites. Uh, we did a seaplane trip. Um, oh, we did the, the, the Redwood. Is it the Redwood uh, canop walk? Canopy Walk? Mm -hmm. That's really yeah. beautiful as well. We did the Zorb. Literally all just Google top things to do in Rotorua. We did all of them. <laughs> full, yeah. full tourism mode. I mean, that just that's another advantage again of like a trip like this when it's domestic for you is that you just go, all right, let's treat it as though like we've traveled here from somewhere. You just sort of look mm. at it through a, a different view yeah. and you're like, wow, there's, this is fun. Let's do it. Let's go all out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we went down to Topo and then that's when we went across to, was that Taranaki that we went across? Mm -hmm. Yep. Then we headed oh. to, um, we, neither of us had really done much of that area. We went to New Plymouth. We stayed at Fitzroy Beach. There's a beautiful campsite mm -hmm. there right on the beach. Did you take the Forgotten Road between Topo and Taranaki? Is that the one that kind of ends up going through like a cliff face? You go through a tiny little almost mm. man-made uh, mm -hmm. tunnel through rock and stuff. Is that the one? I think so. I haven't done it, but I think, yeah. I think that's I, I think so because we also almost ran out of gas, which would sort of line up with that. We're just thinking 
when do we ever have a problem with like getting petrol in this country and then all of a sudden it's like oh it's now it's now (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna struggle right we literally run out of gas everywhere we go what else was around there it was like the three sisters and elephant rock Mm -hmm. yes that was beautiful loved that uh, and then we sort of made our way down towards Wellington pretty quickly, to be honest. Yeah, um, Wellington's on the agenda to go back and and relive some of my some of my youth. Yeah, I got to see a few of the places that Dane grew up, where he used to play rugby, oh. and we kind of went for a walk down memory lane more so than um, went full tourist mode. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we uh, then we took Ast in the camper van on the on the ferry across mm-hmm. the across the Cook Strait. Um, and then it was straight into the cold and, and sort of a completely different kind of exploring. Um, we went Nelson and then we did uh, Abel Tasman, which was just honestly, I mean, Queenstown probably takes the city award for us in New Zealand, but Abel Tasman has probably got our hearts in a way, huh? Honestly, Abel Tasman is one of the most beautiful parts of New Zealand. We've been twice now and I still feel like, there is so much more for us to explore and yeah. even just going in the different seasons as well. We did one trip in the winter and one trip in the summer and they felt completely different. Yeah. It was beautiful. I love Abel Tasman. Have you have you explored there? Yeah, we did a um, kayaking trip in summer. That's definitely one of my favorite regions as well. When people ask me what's one place that you'd, you'd go back to, it's always Abel Tasman. And those those beaches are unreal, aren't they? I think. Oh, they're I think unreal. Possibly it's because of the the access is sort of somewhat limited. It's kind of difficult to to drive and get you know easy access to it. You know, park up, take a ferry, or just shop on these beaches after walking five k's up over a hill, and there's nobody there. It's like the most. Yeah. Un- it could be the Caribbean in some of the spots that it we saw be. on that on that summer that summer walking. It feels tropical as well. Like in summer, it's so warm that it could be any of the islands or Thailand or something. Yeah. And then you've also got some like little waterfalls and there's the river mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. It just feels like, maybe it's like what what it felt like exploring as a kid, go out with friends and just wander out and you'd find all these, you know, amazing yeah. and weird things like this little, little Kiwi boys exploring. I think it's like the adult version of that. Mm. <laughs> well, I've got a whole episode all about um, Abel Tasman and the Nelson Tasman region, so... There might be a little bit, a few more hidden gems in there for the next time you guys are down exploring. Um, I like it. But, oh, such a good spot. <laughs> Did you head down the West Coast next? So from Abel Tasman, we headed down to um, the Nelson Lakes. We didn't stay mm. for too long, yeah. but we went to uh, Lake Roduiti and got absolutely mauled by sandflies. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's stunning out there. Yeah. Looking out over that iconic jetty and seeing all yeah. the mountains. It is just so beautiful. Yeah. I love it there. So then we went um, through Murchison and made our way out to Punakaiki to see the mm-hmm. pancake rocks. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time for both of us, wasn't it? Well, I'd need to check with uh, <laughs> mum and dad. But <laughs> I can't remember. But... Yeah, I think I think it was. <laughs> did you have good weather on the west coast, or did it rain the whole time? We were pretty lucky. Yeah, I think we were pretty lucky. I mean, we there were. definitely was a lot of a lot of rain, and a few uh, of those sort of outings when you, you know jump out of the car for an hour were a little bit a little bit wet at times. But we knew exactly what we were getting into, so you you just have to roll the dice to a degree and yeah. see how it goes. But I think yeah. we were okay along the west coast. As you're so. saying this, I'm I'm. Thinking back and remembering sitting in Franz Joseph for two or three days. Yeah, we're not there yet, but <laughs> <laughs> waiting out the weather. Yes, um, that's right. 
So, yeah, we made our way down the West Coast. We stopped at a few random towns as well and a few uh, different places that we didn't plan to. They were just sort of little campsites that I couldn't even tell mm-hmm. you the name of. But just the, the West Coast and how different that is compared to, you know, even just Nelson. Yeah. The, crazy yeah. black sand mm. the landscapes it was just wild everyone says wild west coast and it legit is like jurassic mm-hmm. park <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's just so dramatic because you've just got like the southern alps just like straight into the ocean yeah. <laughs> it's wild isn't it and and maybe it was because we were sort of in between lockdowns as well that it was just sort of empty mm. and I mean, that, sometimes that's a real nice thing when you travel, but there it was almost like... Um, eerie. Yeah, a bit eerie. Mm. So I'm thinking, wow, there's nobody out here. Um, I don't know. Is, are, we, are we okay? You know, we feel so... We're like remote. If, if you said, oh, no, you're actually out in the middle of the middle of the ocean, we could we almost would have believed it because it just felt like <laughs> yeah. there was nobody there. I'm actually um, thinking back to my... The times that I've been to the West Coast and both of them were during lockdowns and... Similar vibes, like you could drive for hours and not see another car coming the other way. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, so then we made our way down into Fox Glacier, Franz Joseph, and mm-hmm. that's one place that I would really love to see actually busy because it's mm. so small. There's sort of like one street and um, it just felt sort of, yeah, that was a little bit sad how empty it was, was in a way, to wasn't say it? That. Yeah, it's the only place that mm. we sort of really felt, um, instead of being celebrating the fact that, you know, there's no one around, it's kind of sad to see businesses kind of boarded up and, mm. um, yeah, just no one really there to do the activities, like no staff anywhere. But we took full advantage of going on the, um, the Fox Glacier Halley hike. But that's when that's yeah. when the weather kind of turned on us. So we, it was huge bucket list experience that yeah. we were we just not willing it. to give up. And luckily, like Dane was saying earlier, we had some of our itinerary kind of left open. So we did have a few days yeah. that we could just yeah. kind of wait around. Unfortunately, there was not much to do because other than hikes, um, but the weather was bad and nothing was open. So yeah. that was kind of a few days of like, oh, please, please, please clear up weather so we can go and do this thing. And then I'd say doing that heli hike, the Glacier Heli hike was the highlight of that trip, wasn't it? Yeah, that's honestly, I think, one of the best experiences I think that we've done mm. in New Zealand. Um, just, I mean, go, anytime you get to go on a helicopter is incredible. I mean, it's a little bit sad how much the glaciers are sort of, you know, receding, receding disappearing, yeah. and you especially yeah. look at the before and afters. But then landing on landing on a, a glacier, getting out of the helicopter, and there's no landing pad or anything. You know, you're just basically you're down on your knees, and it's just like all around you. Sliding around without your crampons on. <laughs> yeah, and then putting on crampons, and then the helicopter disappears, and you think. It's just silent up here. Um, and then walking around and sliding in between, uh, what are they called? The pockets. I can't remember the name of it. This oh, is a specific a name. I can't remember what it is now. Yeah. Uh, that was just so special. And then I think we had a couple of hours up there or maybe just over an hour. And then the helicopter comes back and picks you up and, and takes you back down. And then we were literally coming back down after waiting. It had been, I think we waited two and a half days, basically in the rain in the camper van. Um, and we were on our way back down and literal thunderstorms rolled through. And we were like, wow. that was quite literally the only window we were going to yeah, get in yeah. that 48 hours plus, I think, at that point. So we were just stoked, like pumped full of adrenaline after that. 
That sounds phenomenal. That's that's an experience I haven't done yet, um, but I've heard so many good things. So awesome. Then we had the beautiful experience of seeing Lake Matheson, one of the most famous lakes for its <laughs> um, for its glassy, glossy reflection, and it looks like a big muddy, <laughs> mushy mess. <laughs> mushy mess. But we were willing to that because of the rain. But we were more than happy that we got we got the glacier hike. We were happy with that. But yeah, Lake Matheson didn't look nothing like the images. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. We didn't even bother doing the walk. I was like, nah, it's raining. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say exactly. it is still beautiful in the rain. Like all the moss. Maybe it was because it was winter. All the mm. moss and everything was yeah. like a little wonderland through yeah. there but yeah we were a little bit underwhelmed by the lake at the end that actually reminds me what we did is we so i think we we were probably pretty close to doing what you did and we sort of drove there still we parked up and we thought it's it's not clearing we got rain jackets on we um i mean we were rugged up like beanies i don't know if we had gloves or not but we were sort of at that point and we just went let's grab an umbrella each and just we're just gonna go out and do it and it was actually fun i remember we stood there at one stage we were looking out across zero reflection after walking around there and then we said to each other we really should do more rainy adventures because it just turns into something it just becomes a different adventure yeah the sad absolutely. thing is when it doesn't look or feel or turn out the way that you're sort of wanting it to do you know why that worked though no it's because we had everything in the camper van oh right <laughs> yeah. like we had all the raincoats we had yeah. the umbrellas we had the boots we had everything but and once you get back to your van and you're all wet, you've got towels and you've got hot chocolates and you've got dry clothes. Exactly. Yeah, and we exactly. Had, a, had a shower as well. So it's like, there's, there's Ooh, the real. There's luxury. Um, yeah, I had a similar experience at um, Hawkey Ticker Gorge. I don't know if you guys stopped there, but um, I'd seen all the photos of the stunning blue water on Instagram. And because I'm a bit of an idiot, it didn't occur to me that when it rains, it's not going to look like that. <laughs> It was it was like tossing it down with rain, but it was such a beautiful experience walking through the bush and just having this like rain all around you. And I still loved the experience and I still would do it again in the rain. Um, but again, it was epic to go back in summer and see it in blue as well. <laughs> oh, so you did actually get to see it in all its Instagram glory? I did. It was about a year and a half later when we were on a on a summer trip. But yeah got to see it both times <laughs> oh, amazing that's somewhere we didn't quite get to i think because the weather wasn't mm. great yeah we, um, i think that's one of the things that we did end up skipping yeah but then also we were sort of playing catch up from memory or were we speeding up i can't quite remember but again you, you kind of have to sacrifice something at some point if you're hanging around for a few days don't mm. you so did you run out of gas as you were going to hast that's that's my next question <laughs> I think Stace was like, we need to get gas. This is not happening again. Not through there. We were actually really worried. They've about got all those warning up. signs, don't they? <laughs> I know. And also because of uh, the weather through there as well, it had been um, snowing. So we were a little bit worried about having to put the snow chains on this massive six berth camper van. But luckily we had all the gas and it wasn't too snowy. So, um, yeah, we were absolutely fine through there, thankfully. Yeah, so then we made our way up to Wanaka and Queenstown, which is areas that we've sort of explored quite a lot, given those Queenstown yeah. trips in the past with in terms of flying. So we sort of didn't hang around there for too long, but we went up to what is our actual favorite walk in New Zealand, our favorite hike, and that is the Hooker Valley Track at, at Mount yes. Cook. Yes, yeah. That is, I think the only thing that it doesn't have going for it is the fact that it's an out and back. 
if it was a loop track that maybe went around a smaller part of the mountain or maybe even i don't know just, just something to mix a it car up. park just give me something give me something else but it was just so stunning um and we were there and there was there was literal like avalanches up and you could hear a bang mm. and then you just look up into the into the mountain you can see the snow just sort of falling down and um, there were icebergs in the lake as well. You picked up an iceberg that was like the size of a basketball, if not bigger. And <laughs> I think I remember this phrase because you said to me, um, you said it on, on the vlog, you I were like, we're literally say. in Antarctica right now. I mean, not quite, but maybe as close as, as, close as you might get anyway. <laughs> was the lake fully iced over as well or did it just have those like floating bergs? It just had the floating bergs yeah. when we were there. Um, but even still, just to see them, mm. I remember seeing a guy that had bought in some beers. I don't know if you're actually allowed to do that or not. And uh, was chilling the beers and with the with the little icebergs. With the glacial water, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, my first time at Hooker Lake was in winter as well. And it was like frozen over. But some of my friends were like w- taking steps onto no the way. ice. Um, it was kind of funny though, like who who dares to go like furthest? <laughs> oh, that's a classic. I I don't uh, think I would risk that. <laughs> oh, like chucking chucking rocks and stuff onto the ice to see who can break it and stuff. It was it was a good time. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd love to see it like that though. That yeah, I'd love beautiful. to sit around up on the on the cliff bit there and just sort of watch that playing out, but maybe not actually getting on there myself because that's a long ass walk on the way back if you're you know if you're cold, yeah, glacial water. <laughs> So after Hooker Valley, we made our way down to Omarama. We unfortunately didn't see the clay cliffs, but we re- that was so high up on my list. I really wanted to go and see that. Um, but then we went out to the east coast to uh, Omaru, and we met a couple of friends who live in Christchurch. We met them there. Oh. That is a that is a interesting town with all the have you been there before i haven't been there no there's all tell me more of, well first of all we nearly hit the world's lowest bridge in our camper van that because right. maps <laughs> took us the wrong way <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the map it literally in the vehicle i i mean maybe i'm getting ahead of myself but i, would, I was hoping it might actually know a route that needs to work around <laughs> something that the vehicle could fit in and we were driving and just chatting and then all of a sudden i saw this number and i was like 5.7 whatever whatever and then i was like <gasps> we're 6.2 or whatever the hell it was and we were like oh quickly try not to like crash and and you know, <laughs> it was on like, the, the... the world's tiniest street as well so then we're in this oh, massive no. camper van you know on austin powers when he's like trying to turn around in yeah. that little tiny car that's what it was like it was like a 60 point turn just trying to turn this thing around and but... people just looking and laughing at you but i mean that's what, that's what one, we get one of the few mess ups yeah. <laughs> you've got to have those mess ups that, that exactly, makes stories. exactly was it Omaru that's known as New Zealand's quirkiest town? It's just really quirky. It's got that Victorian kind of district that's as well. That's right. It has a walking street where it feels like you're in the UK somewhere. And then, yeah, the steampunk, there's a lot of history there. It's right yeah. on the on the water as well. And then I think from memory, it's just really eclectic, like lots of uh, secondhand sort of shops, lots of that op shoppy scene. Uh, just a little bit out there, just like, hey, we're just doing our thing. We're weird and we like it. <laughs> I remember we went to lunch and right opposite it, there was this big castle. Yes. Around every corner, you sort of just see things that you don't really expect to be there. Yeah, they don't like being in a box all that down there. They're just sort of like, <laughs> nah, do exactly what we like. <laughs> uh, and then after that, we made our way south. 
So we stopped at the Moraki boulders. That was mm-hmm. amazing as well, just to kind of see these massive boulders that were forming in the cliff and the fact that they had just rolled their way down to the water. Mm. It was just insane. I've never seen anything like it before. They just look like these big dinosaur eggs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're like perfect spheres, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to those ones, but there's a bit of a secret spot up in Northland that have got similar boulders. Oh. Um, and one of them is like like taller than people. Like it's really like huge and just like perfectly round. And I'm like, how does this happen? Nature. Nature's crazy. So from memory, this is where, uh, going back to the weather situation, where things unfortunately got a bit rough. We were driving somewhere down there. I think we did go through Dunedin and we sort of were making our way somewhere up towards like Nugget Point and heading sort of south towards the Catlins. And Mm -hmm. we were just driving on this road and then it felt like the camper van just got kicked sort of thing and we just went from like well, I thought we were on two wheels you know that the wind was just that insane wow. and it was just a big storm that had rolled through and you're just so exposed down there I don't think we really had anything locked in at that point which I think saved us to a degree and we were sort of yeah we were driving and we actually got to a point where we're like I don't think this is safe <laughs> yeah so, the camper van started having these like wind warnings oh, and things right. like that so we were like mm, let's oh, maybe wow. pull over for a bit yeah, yeah. so we sort of slowed down at some points and then sped up but we really so we made our way down to so nugget point uh that's the beautiful lighthouse isn't it mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's a nice walk out to see this lighthouse this lighthouse that just i think is it new zealand's largest as well i'm trying to remember all these notes because we we obviously we do a lot of research for like the videos that we make and yeah. often we'll get there and we'll have a look at our it's not so much a script as it is just like bullet points and we're like we're really interesting to share this and people will want to know this and we sort of get there sometimes and we say these things but i don't know it's a bit like when you sort of study, like, are you consuming it or are you sort of thinking about it? And, I know a and... great video you can watch to remind yourself. <laughs> Here's one I prepared earlier. Uh, but I think it is New Zealand's either largest or oldest lighthouse. <laughs> uh, and then Curio Bay. Remember that? Curio Bay. That's where we we tried to look for penguins. I remember we looked like penguins because it was so cold and we had these massive almost ankle length puffer jackets on and we waited until the end of the day Mm -hmm. when we knew that they would be coming back from their little outings of trying to get food and everything and I was convinced I was like this is it this is the time we're in the perfect spot to see penguins it's the perfect time of day (laughs) I've almost got hypothermia but I'm ready for this and we stood there for ages in the rain trying to find these penguins unfortunately we didn't see any um, but still just to be out there and it's just so rugged and so exposed, like Dane was saying. Uh, I mean, it was blowing a gale and it was, we were the only people there cause we were the only ones willing to commit to it. But that was, that was unique. My time at Curio Bay was very windy as well. I don't think it was raining, but I was convinced that that was the place we were going to see the rare dolphins, the penguins, the seals. I was like, this is the wildlife spot. We're going to see everything. I don't think we saw anything and I was just like so cold because of the wind and I was just like grumpy. I was like, we're going, we're going on to the next spot. Yeah. It's so nice to actually have but, someone relate. Like yeah. I had all my hopes pinned on this one spot as well and I was yeah. like convinced. But. but I think like it's definitely the place that I want to give it a second chance. Like I'd love to go back there and give it yep. a bit more time. We weren't even there at the right time for the penguins. Like penguins, we were there at like midday. So all the penguins would have been off in the ocean catching their fish um, yeah, yeah. So 
I need to give it a proper chance. Um, well, that's yeah. sort of what we think as well, actually. And I think maybe at that point, I don't remember we were chasing our tail a little bit in terms of our timings because of, you know, the hanging around earlier on the um, on the West Coast there. But we did, we sort of popped into Bluff, like found mm-hmm. a local recommendation for Bluff oysters, uh, experience, experience that because you sort of need to. And then again, it was even, it was just windier again, even down there. And so we just sort of thought, um, that's the freedom of the camper van. We thought it's a bit of a shame, but we know we want to do Stewart Island at some stage. We're like, we're going mm. to be back in this yeah. region. So it's okay if we go to Queenstown and stay in a really nice hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I think we committed in one day, didn't we? Like we left Kuro Bay, we got to Bluff, we had the oysters, we looked around and we were like, oh man. We went and saw the, the famous sign and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Thought, it's so windy and there's not much else going on. There's nobody here. It's the wrong season. Like we can't go to Stewart Island because we don't have the time. Um, but Queenstown's calling and there's... <laughs> I mean, after five or six weeks in a camper van, I think it's all right to kind of go, let's go and have some luxury and, you know, get yeah. out of the van for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so cool. Really awesome to hear your story. And I feel like I've I've done a couple trips around the country and they've sort of followed similar routes. Um, although some bits were in the other direction, like we went from Queenstown to Invercargill and then up um through the Catlins to Dunedin and stuff. So there's a few bits that we did in reverse, but like sounds like such an amazing route and you hit all the all the sort of key spots and the the pretty spots. Um, did you leave your camper in Queenstown or or did you have to drive it back up to Auckland? Yeah, we did the we did the one way rental. Yeah, um, which yeah. I know you do pay. I think we paid a little bit of a little bit extra at the time, but um, it just it just made most sense to sort of to to fly back at that at that stage. So uh, yeah, we were sad sad to say goodbye, but also yeah um, yeah a bit of space is is appreciated. Eh? Yeah, I was actually way more sad to leave the camper van than I thought I would mm. be after <laughs> five six weeks or whatever it was. It was actually really sad to yeah. leave Aston and then every single time I saw a camper van that looked <laughs> like mm. like it, if we were in Auckland, I'd be like, oh, is that, is that our camper van? Checking <laughs> the number plates like it's ours. <laughs> what we're going to do, we'll like walk up and be like, oh, we spent five weeks in that. <laughs> Get out of my camper van. <laughs> Uh, um you touched on a few sort of hiccups and stuff that you had on this trip but what was if you can pick like one of the biggest challenges what what would you say that was um in relation to sort of van life I suppose in your first time doing that Mm, I think there's a couple that quickly come to mind that you definitely have to navigate one of them is close quarters with with a partner um Mm. I mean that's something that Stacey and I I'd say we're pretty used to anyway because we we literally like content creation is our job so we work together we travel together we plan together we you know what I mean sort of everything so we're sort of used to that but then being thrown inside a much smaller space and having to make decisions on the fly you know adds some stress in places but we, we were actually pretty sound in that in that sense I think we were prepared another side that I think people don't necessarily prepare for is uh what you know you have to learn what to do with your black water your gray water yeah, um, and all those little bits and pieces. You know, it's not like the, you're in a not hotel. Not very glamorous side of it. <laughs> yeah, it's not glamorous at all. You leave for the day, you come back in, the bed's made, and everything's tidy. And you know, you know, you have to you have to think, oh, oh we're we're a bit full on, on on a few things right now. We need to find somewhere to to sort of go to a dumping yeah. site, um, and then parking. It's just another mm. one. You just sort of 
you know, in a van that size, in a yeah. van, yeah, in a and one, you yeah. could end up almost driving under a under a concrete bridge and doing a can opener. <laughs> so just little things like that. Like, I don't think you ever really have to consider. Yeah, we were constantly learning the entire time. I remember just when we thought we had things down pat, we forgot to lock the drawers in the oh, in the kitchen. Right. We're just cruising along. I think it was somewhere near Wellington. All of a sudden we hear this bam, 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 and like two or three oh, no. drawers have fallen out. <laughs> Everything within them is all over the camper yeah. van. So you kind of just learn, okay, that's right. We've got to lock the drawers. We've got to do yeah. this. We've got to do that. Yeah, That's all part of the fun. We had pots and pans like banging around. It was jingle bells and we're just sort of cruising along on a motorway or a back road thinking, uh-oh, we need uh -oh. to get that sorted. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to that. Our van is four-wheel drive, so as soon as we take it off-road, it's just like clanging in the back with everything sort of bouncing around in its boxes. That's awesome being four-wheel drive, though. You sort of Ooh, have yeah. a few less concerns about getting stuck somewhere. You have talked about your um, vlogging a little bit and your sort of creator journey. Do you want to tell me a bit more about how that started, um, how long you've been doing that for? So... We were in we were in Thailand. Uh, Stace was doing design work. I was essentially sort of uh, I'd been hustling a lot before we left on that sort of journey, and was focusing on e-commerce and drop shipping, um, mm -hmm. and sort of website development was sort of where I thought that I was going to go. Um, and then we were looking for apartments, and we were trying to show our our friends and family we weren't living in a bamboo hut, and <laughs> we wanted these memories because we'd made a couple of sort of you know little personal holiday GoPro videos, and we found that we just looked at video way more than photo. Um, and so I just thought, ah, oh, you know, in spare time, I want to learn how to video edit, and sort of just sort of got interested in that side of it. And then, yeah, we made a few videos around like a cost of living. How much did it cost to to sort of be based in in Chiang Mai, or mm. uh, what what were the apartment costs? So just sort of giving people some insight. And I think starting with content that was really helpful, like that, mm. people just they took what they needed from it. And I don't know if we were necessarily building a community at that point, but we were sort of just giving people information that they wanted that was like highly searchable. Um, and then you start to think, wow, um, there's actually, you know, there's actually one, this is way more fun than building websites. And two, <laughs> it is the sort of thing that if you get more into the photography and videography and the social side of things, you can actually, it can actually be a business. You don't, it doesn't have to just be showy influencer stuff. It can actually be content creation and there's a real business element to it. And that's sort mm. of the stuff that I quite enjoy as well. So one day after, you know, making honestly, less money than we were doing other things i'd said to stace this is just so much more fun and i've got a like there's a passion there so i think if you can turn yeah. a passion into a yeah. into a business it's always going to sort of thrive more than oh i've got to go and design this website now yeah um and then stace basically looked at me and said no <laughs> uh. <laughs> the reason i said no is because it's really weird to put a camera in your face and just talk to nobody and yeah. I think at that stage you know being like le still learning it was I felt self-conscious I oh, felt yeah. vulnerable I felt like I'm in this whole new country trying to like live this brand new life mm. and then to to put a camera in front of you as well just felt like way too much but I mean I'd already moved to Thailand at that point so I was like all right <laughs> let's give this a go yeah <laughs> and it's uh creatively it's hard to look back because those videos suck like they're not good they're <laughs> terrible i mean it's really hard to reflect. you've got to start somewhere 
Yeah, well, even um, I did a solo episode for the podcast a little while ago, and most of my episodes are dialogues, and I found that really hard just talking to nobody. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's I like, it. yeah, I, I totally get how it would be similar with with a video camera in your face, and that's yeah. extra pressure with video and having to talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people just people just stare. I don't want to say these days because we're talking maybe what six. Five years ago, perhaps. So, I mean, it's it's a lot more common to sort of Mm. hold a camera and whether that's just your Mm. phone or something now. So I I don't think it's necessarily as, um, you know, as out there. Uh, but yeah, we felt we felt a bit a bit weird. And then at a certain point, you sort of maybe you get like a little bit of a collaboration. And we sort of did like a cooking class and a zip lining thing. And then you, your headspace sort of changes a bit. Like, okay, we're sort of now we're trying to help somebody else, and then the same process. So yeah. it feels a bit more like um, there's more purpose to it. And so you sort of go in just a little bit more confident, just a little bit more like, okay, yeah, we're here for a reason, not just like, I'm going to eat a pad thai now. <laughs> this is me with a pad thai. <laughs> and then, um, you know, then it just then it just grows from there. And as with anything, once you spend enough time on it, once you sort of dedicated enough and, um, you know, we were relying on savings for a very long, mm. very long time. And I was editing while Stace was still doing design work. Um, then eventually sort of opportunities grow and yeah, sort of you build more of a community and people sort of follow along. And then it's a, it's a really fine line to walk when you're, when you're vlogging in that sense that you're trying to create helpful content still, because we knew that that, you know, that's what people want. That's what we look for as well when we're traveling. Yeah. Um, you don't want to appear too like narcissistic as well, like make it too much about like, this is my outfit. This is my bed tie. This is my bed tie. (laughs) Um, and then also want to show the people that are purely only interested in like beautiful landscapes or like maybe just food or they just want to see that pad thai. So it's real. It's honestly, even to this day, I'm not even going to make it seem like we are experts or we know, we know what we're doing, but it's just, um, it's just this constant balance between finding, uh, yeah, especially with long form, keeping people interested, showing enough of everything. Mm. And, mm. um, yeah, not, not making it too much about us, but also people valuing our commentary based on sort of our experiences with travel. So, uh, yeah, jump ahead and yeah. now we're doing it full time and we're living back in New Zealand and we travel often, but, um, we've sort of, we've found a balance somewhere in the middle, eh? Yeah. It's nice to have a bit of a home base again. Um, mm. but man, New Zealand's far from everything. <laughs> Oh, it is. It is quite far. And I feel like the pandemic has made it feel even further away with the cost of flights. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Totally. But yeah. travel just in general, I think, is, is I mean, everything's gone up, right? So I yeah. think travel has, yeah. travel has as well. But um, yeah, to say that, I, I, sorry for anybody that's heard a dog running around or barking <laughs> or um, squeaking toys in the background. You know, we've got the benefit now of having a, having a puppy living living close yeah. to friends and family yeah. and being actually being home for birthdays and being home for christmas and all of those things is is really nice because we were we essentially got to a point for a couple of years we were on the road 11 mm. months of the year mm. well that's really cool to hear about that journey now that you've been doing it for 5 years do you have any sort of key pieces of advice for anyone that wants to start today <laughs> um if someone wants to start a youtube channel in 2023 i would say uh consistency uh is huge right like you've got to really commit to something like youtube Mm. if you 
if you want to make it happen. It takes a lot and there's not a huge amount of reward up front um, unless you go crazy viral. Which... which is very rare, like not like TikTok, something like TikTok, you can just you can start and within, I mean, we met someone recently within six months and six months and she was like million, you know, followers. The difference of That's course crazy. is you can't, yeah. you can't be monetizing YouTube. Sorry, you can monetize YouTube at a certain point. Yeah, consistency yeah. is a massive one. Um, and I would say the other thing, sort of going back to what I referenced before is it has to be something that you're passionate about because mm. the time spent and then especially if you want to work that out in, in dollar value, you probably don't to begin with. Um, Versus the hours. <laughs> yeah, hourly rate is not impressive in, in the slightest. But the reward is there in the long term when you're sort of, when your full-time job is waking up and being like, I'm going to edit a video that I filmed while I was, you know, traveling in Thailand. That's really special. And eating a pad thai. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so it has to be a passion. You've got to be consistent. Consistency is just everything. Just like keep going. Don't give up. I want to say uh, learn. Learn and grow mm. and take inspiration from, from other people. Don't copy because you what mm. you really have to do is find your own style and your own uh, yeah. your own approach. Yeah. Otherwise, it does start to – then it starts to feel like work again because otherwise you're doing a job rather than like a creative output. So if you sort of combined all of those things and then just work towards, um, you can get somewhere with it. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome. Thank you so much. This will be my last question. Um, but if you've got a couple of travel tips or tricks for visitors to New Zealand or Kiwis that haven't explored the country, give us a couple of things. Get a van. Get a camper van and just go. Leave. Your- I second that. <laughs> <laughs> Leave your itinerary somewhat open if you can be Mm. flexible travel in shoulder seasons we find um Mm. not traveling in you know the height of summer or peak winter definitely helps with keeping costs low as well and Mm -hmm. like we were saying earlier there's less people as well i think those would be my main things yep absolutely um looking and then as part of that off the back is looking to one way one-way drop-offs because the return leg might cost more yeah. than the, pet- the petrol just to return it might cost yeah, more absolutely. than you know that additional day uh, and then also of course you can get groceries and so you cook for yourself more versus if you're in a hotel you don't really do that as often well thank you so much i've really thoroughly enjoyed um having a chat to you guys and hearing all of the things about how your travel journey started your road trip in new zealand um and then about your vlogging journey as well. So where can people find you on socials? Where can they connect? Where can they see all the vlogs from that road trip that um, you've just talked us through? So our socials are all Danger and Danger and Stacey. Uh, it's about D-A-N-E-G-E-R. And uh, specifically, if you want to watch the New Zealand adventures, we sort of, we labeled it up as sort of Reveal NZ and made it a bit sort of, a bit episodic. So it was a bit more like, I don't want to say a TV show because I'm not trying to play it up, but <laughs> it sort of flowed from one into the other rather than just random blogs. So we've actually mm-hmm. got Reveal NZ season one and season two in playlists on, uh, on, on our YouTube page. That's probably the best way to sort of like deep dive and take that whole journey with us. Amazing. Well, I'll make sure that those are linked in the description along with all your socials. Love Thank it. you so much, guys. Amazing. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Awesome to chat. How awesome was that episode? I loved hearing how Dean and Stacey explored New Zealand for the first time in a camper van, and I totally agree. It's the best way to see the country. Take it from them. It's never too late to explore more of your backyard. If you're a visual person and want to see more of their adventures rather than just listening to them, head to their YouTube channel and check out the Reveal NZ series in the description. 
Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring. You just ran, were they? Like, you just have to yeah, you just I go mean, embrace it. We were constantly learning. Sorry. <laughs> we were constantly learning the. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you've talked for enough now. Give me some attention. <laughs> oh my God, get that off him. <laughs> He's right on the squeaker. <laughs>